We're opening up the mailbag and answering your questions. And we've got so many great ones that we'll, this will be the first of two episodes where we talk about Eric Spolstra, the return of Jimmy Butler and Victor Oladipo. And if Miami can compete in a potential first round matchup, a great episode you absolutely don't want to miss. You are locked on heat. Your daily Miami heat podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, Heat Nation. It's a Wednesday edition of Locked On Heat, your daily podcast covering all things Miami Heat. However, you may be listening on YouTube, Odyssey, or your favorite podcast app. Thank you so much for making Locked On Heat your first listen every day. I'm David Ramil, and with me, as always, is my co-host, Wes Goldberg. Today's episode is brought to you by Truebill. Truebill is the new app that saves you money by helping you identify and stop paying for the subscriptions you don't want or need and can even negotiate better deals on those you want to keep. We're recording this on a Tuesday afternoon. As of now, no news regarding Jimmy Butler, the severity of an ankle injury, something we'll talk about throughout the show, because, of course, it does change the complexion of this heat season, whether or not Jimmy is able to return quickly and help Miami continue their winning ways. But we did get some positive news, Wes. The news just came out that Eric Spolstra has won the Coach of the Month Award for December, his ninth time, a franchise record, according to a Heat press release, that Spo has won the award. What do you think of the uh, the designation of Coach of the Month? Not much. I don't really care about these awards, <laughs> so not to not to put some ice on the on the whole thing. But you know, I, I don't think that when we're discussing Eric Spolstra's Hall of Fame resume when he finally retires and you know all this stuff, like. Coach of the Month awards, they don't really come up in that conversation. This is really just sort of an excuse for the NBA to release press releases. It kind of just feels like like the Player of the Month stuff. I don't care about it. I don't really care about any of this stuff. But, um, yeah, I mean, look, it's cool that Eric Spolstra is getting recognized for what he was able to do. I think it speaks volumes to what the Heat have been able to do. They don't have the best record in the NBA. Last night, they lost to the team with the best record in the NBA. And you could have easily made the case, like, look, I know Steve Kerr and Monty Williams are in the Western Conference, uh, but you can make the case that, hey, maybe Milwaukee should have gotten this, or Brooklyn, or Chicago, with the kind of run that they had that spanned December to January. Um, And some recency bias could play to Chicago there. But um, it is a recognition that, hey, you don't just have to have the best record in the league to win some of these awards. Sometimes... People are recognizing what you're doing. It's not like the Heat are losing. It's not like they're on the fringe of the playoffs. They're still very strongly in the top four or five in the Eastern Conference and have been all year long. Uh, but right. there's a ni- it's nice that they're recognizing some of the things that Eric Spolster is dealing with and how he's able to been co- uh, coach his team through it. That's fair. Uh, look, I think between that, the rookie of the month, uh, the player of the month, it's kind of just kind of just accumulating totals towards the final MVP or coach of the year, or rookie of the year vote. So you could say, well, I won six out of, X number of months of, of, of the you know of, of the award. I guess it's a, an easier way of keeping track. But for Heat fans, it kind of just feels like recognition that Spo has done some good job. But I think a lot of Heat fans know that, which is why we got these great questions. We'll start off with this one from Narayanan. He asks, "Can you think of any ex Heat player coached by Spo that has gone on to be better?" That is a great question because when you look at all the players that have come through over the last what is it now? 13 seasons, 14 yeah. seasons of Eric Spolstra as head coach. Unbelievable. I, I, It's hard to, no, not that long since he took over in 2018, but this is his 13th season as head coach. Uh, an amazing job that he's done. So many players that have come through. 2008. And you know, 2000, sorry, 2008. Uh, he had a fantastic job. 
And I can't think of any player that has really stood up, but we can go through the I names here. One. I, one, I know one. Uh, and only Who's because he benefited LeBron James. Oh, you think LeBron has gone on to play better? I think he's gone on to play differently. And I think the result is that he came from Miami and four years of learning what it takes to win. And he was able to apply mm. a, a patented, structured regimen of winning to whatever team he's been in, which is why he's won in Los Angeles, which is why he's won in Cleveland, et cetera. And I think you can make a case yeah. that his shooting improved as a result of his diversifying his offensive repertoire here in Miami because of Spo, because of David Fizdale and everybody else in the coaching staff. Who's yeah, no, I, I think, look, because you have LeBron coming from Cleveland in 2010 to Miami, and he was already on a Hall of Fame path in Cleveland no the first time around. And sure. But in, in Miami, Eric Spolstra tapped into something. He got him to play the four, which was not a thing right. he did in Cleveland the first time around. Yep. Uh, tapped into that low post game. You remember back, like... <laughs> Back in the day when LeBron James and Carmelo Anthony were both sort of just starting in the league and everybody was looking at Carmelo and how polished he was as a scorer coming out of Syracuse and say, and saw right. his low post stuff and be like, yeah, LeBron needs more of that low post stuff. And now right. you sort of fast forward 20 years and LeBron it, like kind of adopted all that low post stuff. Now he's sort of gotten away from it at age 37. He's more of a three-point shooter, yeah. but so is Carmelo Anthony. But it's just so funny how LeBron turned into like that low post guy in the midpoint of their careers and then Melo started like with the Knicks started just yeah. becoming sort of a little bit more of a volume guy and is like late Denver Nuggets next stage. Anyway, um, I do think that, uh, yeah, I think that Spolstra tapped into a new LeBron James and he obviously went on to take some of that stuff he learned in Miami. And he said, you know, those, those four years in Miami were kind of the college years that he never had. And you could see sure. how he had applied that to his second. Well, I got to bring that up. Now, and now to LA. <laughs> but um, I do think, uh, as far as I, I don't know if the spirit of the question was more of that or more of, you know, a player that didn't play so well under Spolstra who went on to play better elsewhere. Right. Yeah, all right. And I think that kind of player, because I think there are a lot of guys that played under Spolstra and went on to just have excellent like Derek Jones Jr. I don't know that he was he's better in Portland or in Chicago he's than not. he was in Miami. But I mean, he he's was certainly not. better than he was in Phoenix. Right. So, okay. um but Nemanja Bielitsa is maybe the one guy that I think oh. Eric Spolstra has failed to implement in Miami. And there's okay. blame on both sides, I think, and has sure. gone on to play well for the Warriors, as as we saw last night. We scored whatever it was, 10 points. That's fair. I, I Maybe I, I totally disregard Bielitsa. Uh, I think your answer is a <laughs> valid one. I, it, I think, yeah, well, I think it's just so much recency bias. Like he came into Sacramento, dis, from Sacramento, disinterested, out of shape, couldn't earn any playing time, obviously – not much of a presence defensively, and that's exactly what they were looking for. They traded away Kelly Olenek, who could provide that to some extent, despite whatever some a large swath of Heat fans feel about Kelly's game. He was a good player. You're the was Kelly Olenek, the biggest Kelly Olenek stand in Miami. We 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 all know this. No, no. Look, I, I think the numbers show it. I, I feel like, and then and in the months when they had Bielitsa, when he was an absolutely a trash can on defense and not providing much offense either. Like everybody was saying, wow, I wish we had a versatile four or five that could play in there next to Bam Adepayo. You know who that guy was? It was Kelly Olenek. So anyway, <laughs> I, I think there was a lot of a lot of problems there with incorporating Bielitsa. And yeah, you're right. I mean, maybe Spo didn't do a good job. And problems maybe on both sides. No, I think that's the one thing with Spo is, look, look you're right. Bielitsa came into camp uh, or came into Miami. Kind yeah, of, post it, season, in the middle of the season. In the middle right of the season, not in the worst, the most difficult season in NBA history, too. Not exactly. Right. A good jumping off point for anybody. Not ready to play. 
And some right. of that's on him. Some of that is just he was coming from Sacramento, and they don't really do the best as far as player development and, and keeping guys engaged yeah. throughout a, the course of a season. So I think it's partly on Sacramento's fault in a weird way. But sure. also, I, I remember talking with Bielitsa this summer because the Warriors had signed him, and I was still covering the Warriors at that time. And I talked to him, I think it was in Las Vegas before Summer League because they had some of their core players working out with the Summer League team. And um, and I asked him, like, hey, you know, are you – how? Because everything that the Heat would say was, oh, he was injured and he just never was able to get back on the floor after whatever it was, like, you know, two games or whatever. And I asked him, hey, how was that injury that you had been dealing with? And he goes, I was never injured. They just didn't mm. want to play me. And I go, oh, okay. And that was a little bit of breaking news at the time because all the reports are out there that he was injured. It turns out, according to Bielitsia, he was never injured. The Heat just never wanted to play him. Now, they could have been calling his lack of – um, conditioning conditioning an injury which i think the heat would sure. view that as an injury you know absolutely but, uh i think that speaks to sort of and eric Spolster will say this he's the first to admit this some players are for us and some players are not for us when he's speaking of the heat uh and that culture that they have there and i, I think for bielitsa that wasn't the culture he was just wasn't a culture fit and they were kind of taking a swing in the middle of the season and and it didn't work out and they missed and the culture that they have in Golden State is very different. And I think both, and it's kind of interesting that both of these teams do such a great job with player development, and they have two very different kind of cultures. Steve Kerr kind of gives guys a little bit more of a leash, kind of gives them a little bit more free reign, do whatever you want to do, condition however you want to condition, just be ready on game day. And, and the Heat are a lot more of micromanagement, where I think the Warriors are a little bit more macro management. In the case of Yalitza, it was a fit in Golden State, but I think there's a lot of players in Golden State that probably uh, came through the last few years that weren't a fit there, that would have been a fit in Miami. I just think that speaks to the sort of fits. When we talk about fits, it's not always about X's and O's. Can this guy space the floor for this guy? Sometimes it's personality. It's man player management, personality management. And in the case of Bielitsa, it wasn't the right fit for Miami. Yeah, uh, that's a good point. Uh, you know, you look at a guy like Josh Richardson or Justice Winslow, uh, James Johnson. I mean, I, I'm sure there are others, even Olenek, I, I guess, to some degree. Look, he put up some big numbers in Houston. Not that he wasn't capable of doing that in Miami. He just wasn't getting the opportunity. And last season with the Rockets, that was a, you know, a, a, a what is a, a, you know, a burning dumpster there, a dumpster fire of a season where they were obviously tanking. And he was just putting up big numbers as he was heading into free agency. But I think by and large, you would say that Miami just has a very, very good way, a proven way of making the most out of a player's abilities, finding a way, as you talked about in a recent show, you know, mitigating their mistakes and their deficiencies, finding a way to accentuate what they do well. And, and again, having to buy into culture really matters here. Like you have to be able to embrace it. Maybe Bielitsa was not ready at this point in time. Maybe give it a full season. If he had started off the season in training camp with Miami, Maybe he would have bought in. Maybe would he, he would have realized he was in the right. best shape of his career, et cetera, and then maybe lead into a little bit more. But anyway, I think by and large. It's much about scouting as it is development, too. I mean, you give credit to Eric Spolstra, but you got to give credit to Adam Simon and Andy Ellsberg Chick and Kammerer and all those other guys, too. It's a lot about scouting as well. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Well, we'll move on. We'll talk a little bit about the return of Jimmy Butler and answer more of your questions here in this episode of the mailbag edition of Locked on Heat. But first, just a reminder that this episode is brought to you by Truebill. Do you know why free trials renew without your consent? It's a business scam out to get you. Don't let greedy corporations pocket your money. Download Truebill to take control of your subscriptions. Truebill is the new app that helps you identify and stop paying for subscriptions you don't need, want, or simply forgot about. On average, people save up to $720 a year with Truebill because companies make subscriptions hard to cancel. Truebill makes it incredibly simple. Just link your accounts and Truebill will cancel your unwanted subscriptions in just one tap. 
Truebill has over 2 million users, and it's helped save them over $100 million. Don't fall for subscription scams. Start canceling today at Truebill.com slash LockdownNBA. Go right now to Truebill.com slash LockdownNBA. It could save you thousands a year. That's Truebill.com slash LockdownNBA. Thanks so much for making Lockdown Heat your first listen every day. As always, make sure to subscribe to the show on YouTube or wherever you get podcasts to make sure you get the latest content available to you. Let's continue our mailbag edition of Lockdown Heat with this next question that comes in from RJ Clark. He writes in, if Jimmy can come back from this ankle injury soon, what's the timeline for the whole team to come back? Yeah, uh, and... It's something right. I wrote about on on the West Side on Monday, the newsletter there, and uh, it kind of felt like before this right ankle injury that everything was tracking for the Heat to get everybody back um, by mid-January, and that includes Bam Adebayo. Now, like you said at the top of the show, David, we don't really know the timeline for Jimmy Butler. I have a feeling we probably won't know until Wednesday, maybe even okay. you know right before game time. The, the Heat tend to keep this cl- stuff uh, close to the chest, so... This might be something that they call day to day, but they've also been calling Kaziak Paula day to day. So who knows? There is there is a report from Ira Winderman of the Sun Sentinel that he says that somebody close to the situation, somebody within the Heat organization, I imagine, has said that they expect Jimmy back towards the end of the week. So he would probably miss Wednesday's game against right. Portland and maybe be able to play Saturday against Saturday. the Phoenix Suns. Obviously, that would be a much anticipated matchup, and they could certainly use Jimmy. So we'll see whether or not that's the case, but that kind of conflicts with what Spolstra has said and what we've seen in the past from these kind of injuries where they have to do an MRI, they have to wait and see whether or not there's a significant amount of swelling, whether or not it reduces the amount of pain. I, I wonder if, if, you know, again, and I hate playing doctor here, but it's just something we have to do. Right now, like Jimmy wasn't able to even get off the court of his own volition. I wonder whether or not he just recognized, maybe he was capable of walking off the court, but he just refused to put more pressure on it. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Play it safely. Look, Instead, I, I, he I leaned on Dwayne Dedman, who's dealing with a knee injury, but whatever. Uh, <laughs> Dwayne Dedman less important than Jimmy Butler. Uh, no, I look, I think you're right. Now, I don't know if this is an MRI situation or not. Obviously, the heater on the road, but you could find external hospitals to do all this stuff. Sure. But um, yeah, I, I haven't heard anything about an MRI needing to be done. You just wonder if this is something left to, to the trainer and Jimmy Butler just be like, hey, man, like, Obvi- sometimes just dudes sometimes just stuff hurts and this is obviously yep. a right ankle injury that he's just coming back from it could still be a little sensitive i think we tend to forget that like sometimes just stuff hurts right <laughs> i think that's probably why omar yurtsevin took so long to get back into the game against golden state after getting stitches his head probably just hurt he probably need to pop a cup of tylenol and 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 like let the woozies go away a little bit before he got back onto the court Ooh, i don't know if it was woozies. just a, a situation where the guy was just like in pain and needed help off the floor and it's okay. That UCF medical training really coming in here. The woozies. I love it. The woozies. That's what they teach you in journalism school. Go Knights. Uh, <laughs> as far as whether or not he could, if he does come back by the end of the week, obviously that's that's kind of you're circling at Phoenix Saturday. And then the Heat wrap up their, their trip here uh, in Atlanta on Wednesday. And then yeah. they come back to play Atlanta on Friday, January 14th. And this is still, despite Jimmy Butler's injury, this is still the game that I'm circling because you could have by the end of this trip, everybody out of testing out of health and safety protocols. You could have Bam Adebayo uh, working his way back. He's been working out with the heat during yeah. this road trip, right? He, he's on the bench during these games. Uh, he's working out behind the scenes. He's doing the shoot arounds. He's doing whatever practices and scrimmages that are involved on this road trip. Um, so he's, he's with the team, he's working out and you get the feeling that maybe he's ramping up. Now you could see him in the game. He's still got the cast on his thumb. 
I would be a little surprised if it was January 14th, if I'm being honest, I think. But they all, they're all, that are, they're at home for a four-game homestand from January 14th to January 19th. And I'm looking at that homestand, um, and then they're briefly on the road for a game in Atlanta, which is hardly a road trip at this point. And then they're back at home for right. four more games uh, from January 23rd to January 29th. So I'm looking at mid, mid-January to get the full squad back. Now, that's obviously Casey Akpala. Him coming back, he's been day-to-day, but he's been day-to-day for a few days now. Uh, Markeith Morris, who we still don't really have any updates on. This is everybody, by, by the way, besides Victor Oladipo, which we have absolutely no timeline for. Um, right. But, yeah, I still think that even with the Jimmy Butler injury, we're looking at mid uh, a mid to late January. Yeah, I, I think that's fair. Uh, if you want to project out, and, again, this is just speculative on our parts, but I would say full, full, assuming nobody else gets any injury. And again, you know, the, the nature of health and safety protocols means that any player can sit out on any nightly basis. So impossible to tell whether or not they'll have to miss a game or several games or several, you know, days worth of action. But maybe we can hope for a return of a full roster, a full complement of Heat players after the All-Star break. I think that's probably the That's including Oladipo? Yeah, I think that's fair. And again, with Morris... Look, we've you talked to a medical expert. We haven't heard anything from the new from the team, uh, any news or updates. He's been working out. My hope is that he's progressed enough over the last week or so that they've been out of town with the holidays and everything else. That maybe again, assuming he's healthy and safe, also and, and has not entered into health and safety protocols at this point, because I don't even know if he's being tested since he's not traveling with the team on the road. That maybe Markeith Morris can return for next week's game against the Atlanta Hawks. That would be great right. to be able to see him bolster a very thin front court. But other than that, I mean, we just don't know. And again, all of this is very, very, uh, you know, tentative because it can, it's tenuous because you can yeah. just all of a sudden lose a player to injury it's, with Kyle coming back and all of a sudden right. putting up big minutes yesterday. Go ahead. No, I mean, to that point with, with the health and safety protocols as well. I mean, you had a, a report this yeah. week by the Associated Press that, the NBA really does feel like most of this is behind them, which just tells me, yeah. and this is not a report or inside information, just context clues, that they're probably not going to be testing as much. Obviously, January 6th was the day where they would end the daily, more rigorous testing. We're two days away from that as we're recording this. But it kind of feels like, and just listening to coaches, not just Spolstra, but Steve Kerr before the game, other coaches around the league, uh, uh, Wes Unsell Jr. For, for Washington before the Heat left for this road trip. I was in that press conference I, a lot of coaches are saying yeah i kind of feel like most of this stuff is behind us they have more of a, a of a thumb on how much this testing is actually happening and how much it's really needed uh than i think you and i do recording this podcast or even being at these games because we're just not able to be around as much as we were pre pre-covid so um yeah, yeah it does feel like everybody's saying some of this stuff is behind us now of course what we've been saying is we've been kind of saying that for two years wishful thinking but um at least as far as January 6th and that mark coming and going, um, maybe less rigorous testing would result in fewer uh, people being uh, put into the health and safety protocols. All right. We'll take one more question before we take a break here. The Heat versus the World podcast, assuming everyone is healthy, what does the playoff rotation look like? I'd also like to hear your opinions on Yurt and his impact and success this season. Let's start with a Yurt one. I guess that's a pretty easy one. I think we've both been fans of his ability, his approach to the game everything he can do he just provides a different flavor if you will than either Dwayne Dedman or Bam Adebayo there are you know three centers they all specialize in something and you know in Bam's case he's a very versatile player but Yurt Seven is a great offensive player I think he's shown some nice touch around the basket whatever he shows some promise 
uh, he's he's continued to grow and develop. I think that's the best way of looking at it. He's getting more opportunities, more minutes, and he's capitalizing on those. He's been a solid rebounder. Still has problems defensively. I think he can grow. I think he can change. He can. He's a young player, and it's good that Miami has him on a relatively cheap deal, not just this season, but beyond that. Yeah, the Heat special, by the way. As soon as you see a, a, the Heat sign somebody you've Lock never heard up. of two years, just yeah. just if you're another team, just be like start offering late first round picks for that player. I think it's just. Um, but I look, Omer Yurtsevin, he's been impressive. To your point, well said. The the biggest thing with him is he still needs to get better defensively, but already he's much better than he was, you know, a month ago defensively, which is everything you need to know. There's a skill set here. There's a coachability here that's very obvious. Is he a playoff rotation player? Getting back to the first part of the question, I don't think so. Not right now. Oh, if the playoffs started today, fortunately for Amir Yurtsevin, the playoffs don't start today. And if he continues on this uh, track, then maybe he will be ready by the playoffs. But I do think that, you know, when the playoffs start, I, I don't really see a situation where you would need three centers in a game. So it probably mm-hmm. would just be Bam Adebayo and Dwayne Dedman. I still think Dwayne Dedman is the guy you trust in the postseason more than Yurtsevin, as skilled as Yurtsevin has been. Dwayne Dedman, there's something to be said about playoff experience, NBA experience. Dedman has that. Yurtsevin doesn't. So yeah. I like Bam and Dedman. And then as far as the rest of that rotation, how it shakes out, obviously you've got your five starters. I don't think that's changing anytime soon. Tyler Hero is your sixth man playing starters minutes. And then it really is a lot more up in the air. I think before the season you would have said, all right, Victor Oladipo, you pencil him in. If he can return and looks okay, he's probably in that. You probably put Markeith Morris in there and maybe somebody that the Heat find on the buyout market or trade for in the midseason, maybe you know a backup point guard or something. People are talking about John Wall, things like that. I don't think any of that stuff's going to happen at this point. I would bet against it, not saying it's impossible. But um, everything yeah. else is just sort of maybe more matchup dependent. I can see Victor Oladipo, if he comes back, he's so versatile, he's not matchup dependent. If he can play at a relatively high level, to what you expect, then he's probably in that rotation. But I could see Caleb Martin so, in certain in certain yeah, I, matchups. I, I think. It, yeah. I think it comes down to three guys here. It's Max Struess, I think Gabe Vincent, and then Caleb. Whether or not they continue to get any kind of yeah. playing time, and I think the biggest question mark there for me it's probably Struess. I don't think he gets a lot of playing time just because of his defensive issues. The fact that he can be targeted, at least you could throw Gabe out there as a ball handler, a competent bait, uh, ball handler, somebody who can make plays for others, who can stretch the floor, not as effectively perhaps as Struess, but he can also drive to the hoop. He can do other things, and his defense is much higher. You're going to need him. And maybe you, maybe you need him a little bit less because of Oladipo, so that might be the one re- reasoning for why Struess gets some minutes there. But overall, I'd say it's tough. Uh, and Caleb, I mean – you asked this question of Spo yesterday, turning into your defensive stopper, so to speak, guarding your your you know your star wing player or your star point guards, like he did against Steph Curry, and we project that he probably will against Dame Lillard as well. Uh, given that, I think he probably sees some upside there and you, the potential for you know for him to play, yeah. if not a significant amount of time, at least some minutes. But again, even that's taken over with Oladipo. Oladipo just remains such a huge question mark. He's like the first domino in the basket, right? You want to be able to see how that falls. And then all of a sudden we can say, well, who do we add? He could be your your backup point guard. He could be your wing stopper, ball handler stopper like Caleb Martin is. I mean, he can just cover up so many things with one person. I mean, he's like a one-man band in that sense. And that's really all he... They don't don't need him to be an all-star. They need him to just be that. Be more experienced Gabe Vincent and Caleb Martin in one package, in one player. And let's give you 28 to 32 minutes a night. But I do think, again, it's a long, like, 
NBA Finals rotation versus first round of the playoff. Like first round of the playoffs is still basically your yeah. regular season rotation, right? Yep. So I, I think that all these guys could get some playing time here and there. If they need some shooting, they'll go to Max Struess. I have, I Before you know, Gabe Vincent. I think you could play in certain matchups. Probably can't play against the Bucks. They'll attack him, right? Just because he's short doesn't. I don't care how good you are defensively. If you're short, the Bucks are going to attack you. That's what the Heat found out with some of these other point guards that have been here. So. Um, yeah. I just, yeah, it'll be matchup dependent. Those three guys, you're absolutely right. We haven't even talked about Markeith Morris. He's probably yeah. in that rotation. I'm not sure. I really don't know. Depends on what he looks like when he comes back. Um, but yeah, I, I think by the it depends on how long the, the Heat go into the playoffs. But if you're looking at a top eight, I still think it's pretty clear, right? I, I think it's it's your your top five guys, your starters, Tyler Hero, uh, Dwayne Dedman, and then probably Oladipo. I think you kind of have to go with other people because you want to build credibility. You trade for him. You're kind of incorporating him back. Maybe he's your secret weapon. Who knows? Uh, it, it's tough to really see how they play this because we don't – I don't think there is any barometer for this. We have not seen a situation like this where there's so much hope and so much anticipation of one guy that has had such a high peak in his career and has dropped off so precipitously and yet is trying to be incorporated into a team that's thrived off being able – to rebuild players' careers. So this is going to be a very interesting litmus test for the Miami Heat, and we hope that it plays out soon. But now let's move on to our next question here in the mailbag. But first, a reminder that Bilt Bar is a sponsor of this show. It's the new year, so that means New Year's resolutions. If yours is about getting fit or eating healthier, make sure you include Bilt Bar in your plan. Bilt Bar is a protein bar that tastes like a candy bar, maybe even better than a candy bar. Built Bar makes it easier to stick to your resolution because it tastes so good, you'll want to eat it. Unlike other protein bars that can be chalky or waxy or taste just plain bad, you never have to worry about that because Built Bar is 100% covered in chocolate, soft and easy to chew. You don't even know, again, that you're eating a protein bar. But they've got all the nutrients that you might be looking for. So if it's a new year and you're on the go and you want to be able to continue to build your way towards a successful resolution, if it's a health-involved resolution, then Built Bar is absolutely the way to go. If you're a you know, fan working out, if you just want to eat something that tastes good, make sure you get a mixed box of all your different flavors, so many different ones to choose from. Go to Built.com, use the promo code, and get 15% off your order. Use the promo code LOCK15 to get 15% off, but only at Built.com. And don't forget, BetOnline has you covered this holiday season with more props, odds, and lines than ever before. As, a fo- as football continues its march through the college bowl season and the pro football playoffs, Bet Online remains your number one spot for all the sports action this season. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Just use our promo code LOCKED ON to receive that bonus from basketball, football, NHL to your favorite Vegas casino games. Don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers for the 2021 season. Bet online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your favorite sports, so don't wait to take advantage of all the new amazing offers available. Bet online where the game starts, and don't forget to use the promo code LOCKEDON. Just a reminder, they can always reach us via email at LockedOnHeat at gmail.com or via Twitter using the hashtag AskLHeat. Be sure to please subscribe to the show, and as always, leave a review, leave feedback, and as always, you can leave questions like these because we love Getting these types of questions from all of our listeners. This next one comes in from an unknown person who sent this in. I cannot recall exactly who it was who submitted this one, but it's a good question. Nonetheless, Jimmy Butler has looked more willing to take three-pointers since coming back. Do you think he needs to shoot threes? And if so, what are realistic goals? I think if Jimmy can average one three from three a game, that would drastically up Miami's ceiling. Well, whoever it is clearly has not been a longtime listener of the show because Wes... 
we had this nailed, I think, during our New Year's or no, our Christmas wish list episode right. where I talked about what I would give Jimmy Butler. This is exactly what I would give Jimmy Butler. This was when he was injured. He wasn't out there for the heat. And I said, you know what? I just want him to be able to space the floor. And then in an episode right before that, we talked about, you know, Jimmy just needs to add a different element to his game, something to keep defenses honest, that three-point shot. And we're starting to see it more and more. I like the fact that he's incorporated it a lot over recent games. What do you think? Yeah. I, I Look, he's over the last uh, three games, he's averaging four three-point attempts a game, and he's shooting 41%. Um, almost 42% from three. Now, a lot of those shots are coming from the corners, which is sure. good. Okay. You don't want him pulling up from three, even though he does late in shot clocks here and there. If you take those ones that he took, that he sort of just chucked the end of a shot clock, I, you could probably say two of them, two or three of them were, just sort of tracking off the top of my head here. Then that percentage yeah. is obviously much better. Um, but yeah, get him involved in the corners. You have a guy in Kyle Lowry who is so great at driving to the basket and kicking out to shooters in the most traditional point guard way that used to be the job of Jimmy Butler. Now Jimmy could be the guy who parks himself in the corner and is the guy <laughs> taking advantage of those driving kicks. So I think the Heat are starting to find something. And exactly like you said, we have been talking about this while Jimmy Butler and Kyle Lowry had been out for as long as they were in this, and the Heat just leaning all the way into Max Drews, Gabe Vincent, Caleb Martin lineups where they're just chucking threes, 43s a game, those kinds of targets. Uh, you're probably not hitting that target as much as you were when Jimmy Butler comes back with Jimmy Butler back and when Bam Adebayo comes back. But if both of those guys can start incorporating the three ball into their game, it would uh, it would be a really good thing, I think, for this offense and for the pace of this offense. In October, by the way, this is something that Jimmy Butler has been doing all season long. In October, 1.3 three-point attempts per game for Jimmy Butler. That, that increases in November to two three-point attempts per game. Since his return from this latest injury, 2.6 attempts per game from three-point range for Jimmy Butler. And like I said, in these last three games, he's increased that to four per game. He took six uh, in Sacramento. And so, yeah, I think this is a really good sign for Jimmy Butler. Yeah. It's good for Miami's offense. You look at the heat Absolutely. with Jimmy Butler on the court. They're taking about 23 three-point attempts per game, shooting 34.3%. Without Jimmy Butler, they were shooting 22 three-point attempts per game, so just one fewer. Um, and uh, thirty-eight shooting 38 or 38.7% without Jimmy Butler. So they were a better three-point shooting team without Jimmy Butler. But that's because Jimmy, I think, wasn't respected beyond the line. He cramps spacing and things like that. You want to be high, closer to that 38% that they are without Jimmy Butler than they are with Jimmy Butler, uh, or when they when they have Jimmy Butler on the court, I mean. And so, yeah, as if he can be more confident in that three-point shot, he's obviously not going to shoot it at a 42% clip for the rest of the year. But if he could be better than the 25% he is for the season... If he could be closer to 35% and teams could just respect him because he's a star and they're going to respect the star from beyond the arc regardless. Um, yeah, I think it would be a really beneficial thing for the offense. Yeah, I, I agree 100%. And look, the, the factor here that we're not even considering, this is without Bam Adebayo in the lineup. Yeah. Once he comes back and he's there as a playmaker, another playmaker, another guy who can spread the ball out to the perimeter, that just adds another element to this offense. It could be so much fun, so exciting. I really like it. I think it just adds a whole other dimension to what Jimmy can do. And you think, I think two or three a game match. for Jimmy is good? I, I like it. I like this yeah. current rate. I think some games, maybe he feels comfortable. Maybe he'll shoot four or five. Maybe he can just That's shoot one or two. Yeah, That's always been the thing with Jimmy Butler, right? When he's got it going, he'll take six or seven threes in a game, and he doesn't He doesn't mind. He, he, doesn't, yeah. he doesn't get shy about it. He just needs to feel it. And I think, to me, I just want to see him take those shots early on in the game. Don't be afraid. Whatever you did in warm-ups, however you're feeling coming into the game, 
take a couple shots in that first half, see if they're going in, see if you're getting them in rhythm of the offense, yeah. and then keep taking them if it's working. And I don't need to tell Jimmy Butler that. He's been good at it. Um, but, yeah, more than 1.3 to start the season, closer to what we've seen lately. And for Bam, I know this question wasn't about Bam, but just one, just one a game. That's it. One in the flow of the offense. He hasn't taken a single three in the flow of the offense in like two years. And that's not an exaggeration. Just yeah. one a game in the flow of the offense would be nice. You know, it's just funny because we talk about Duncan all the time, and, and we've said this in a recent episode about how much they were missing him against the Sacramento Kings specifically, like that they run these plays for him early. And you kind of hint at it, and maybe maybe it's apocryphal in the sense that we're not exactly sure if this is ex- the point of what they're trying to do here. Uh, but, you know, it seems like it sort of builds his confidence if he's able to knock down those early three-pointers. And you just talked about Jimmy doing that early and often as well. How much confidence is interwoven to your willingness to take these shots? A guy like Jimmy, it's not like the shot is broken or anything like that. He just needs to feel comfortable doing so. Maybe he sees that first one go down. And maybe it's kind of like Marcus Smart. You don't necessarily want to go down that road. If he sees the first one to go down, you know he's going to miss the next nine after that. And he's right. going to continue to take them regardless whether they fall or not. But I think for a guy like Jimmy, bam. They can shoot with, with you know, if they, they have the mecha, the mechanics to shoot well. I don't see why they wouldn't try to do so more often. But anyway, we'll wrap up today's episode with this last question, something that comes from Twitter. <laughs> Raptors Twitter specifically, I think you had specified to me. The question that has kind of driven everybody crazy on NBA Twitter in general is, who is better, Jimmy Butler or DeMar DeRozan? Uh, that's a an interesting topic there, like uh, DeMar I think, to your point earlier in the show, just winning player of the week after uh, two game-winning threes, something that hasn't been done in a long time. I think not since, was it Larry Bird? Uh, Nobody's won two back-to-back game-winning threes. Or 85, yeah. And this is DeMar DeRozan who we're talking about, a player who has historically not chosen to shoot the three-pointer, not been particularly good at it. Uh, and he's trying, he's showing something different. I, I look, I, my two cents in this is that I don't necessarily see why you have to pit one versus the other. Uh, I, I know that we cover the heat in general, but we are about both basketball fans and we can appreciate what the bulls are doing. We don't necessarily think ill of DeMar DeRozan or anything like that. I think his game is fine. Uh, but to answer the question, I think Jimmy Butler is better. Give me Jimmy Butler eight days a week. What about you? Yeah. Yeah, I think he Twitter saw this kind of some tweeted out somewhere and just started clowning on whatever account it was like this isn't even a debate, whatever. I'll have the debate. Look, I, I really like DeMar DeRozan. He's been one of my guys for years. I love the way that he was playing in San Antonio. Newsflash. I know a lot of people don't watch the Spurs and there really wasn't a reason for you uh, to watch the Spurs over the last couple of years. He was doing this in San Antonio. Like yeah. the last two years, this was the same DeMar DeRozan. He started taking threes. He started playing the four, started being some, sort of this like point forward thing. Um, this was like, we saw the best version, I think, of DeMar DeRozan in San Antonio before this year in Chicago. He's a really good Absolutely. player. And I'm I am so glad that he's playing on a team that I guess people care about and want to watch in Chicago that's finally winning, unlike those Spurs teams. And they weren't losing because of DeMar DeRozan. In fact, you could argue that they were winning as much as they did because of DeMar DeRozan while developing all these other young guys, even though they weren't winning a whole lot. Uh, I think it's a great fit in Chicago. I love what he's doing. He should absolutely be in the MVP conversation for what he does for that Bulls team. Right now, if you're having the MVP conversation, he's in your top five or six. He has to be. Jimmy Butler isn't, right? But that's also because Jimmy Butler's missed a lot of games. That's another thing that you could talk about DeMar DeRozan. If the best, if the greatest ability is availability, then DeMar DeRozan ha- just crushes Jimmy Butler in that department. And there's that's not a debate. Right. Yeah. Uh, but as far as what Jim Butler could do defensively, the heights that we could see him get to 
on the biggest stage, what he could, what he did in the finals in 2019, what he has done in the postseason, every single time he's in the postseason, give me Jimmy Butler. I think he's the better player. But if you want to have a debate about it, I'm not going to be like the rest of Heat Twitter and all this stuff just clowning on the question. I think you can have a real argument about DeMar DeRozan versus Jimmy Butler. And I, I, I think you could sway me on either side. But because of what we've seen Jimmy Butler do in the postseason on the big stage, give me Jimmy Butler every day of the week. Look, it, it might be closer than he Twitter made it seem like, to be honest with you. Uh, I, and I still think, look, again, I just having seen Jimmy up close over the last three seasons, what he's done in the playoffs, what he's done defensively, those are things you can't take away. It's not to say that DeRozan is the exact opposite type player or anything like that. Just different styles of game, different approaches to their offense and things of that sort. I would say that DeRozan is probably as you know a fairly good playmaker. That's something that a lot of people don't consider. Yeah. Uh, his assist numbers are phenomenal. Uh, just like Jimmy's was before he came to Miami, nobody really considered the fact that he was this playmaker, right? He was just your go-to scorer, the guy who came up big in the clutch, et cetera. It's all about narrative. It's all about stories. Let's just appreciate how great these guys are. If you had to give me a vote for the MVP right now, I'd have to give it to DeRozan over Jimmy just because of the availability thing, as you mentioned. So mm-hmm. uh, it's not to say that I don't think Jimmy is a better player, though. I just think that right now DeRozan is playing better this season overall over the course of their career. I'd say Jimmy Butler is the better player. I think when it all ends, Jimmy Butler will probably end up with a better career because he'll probably be able to win something that DeRozan will not, which is an NBA championship. And he'll do that here with Miami. But that'll wrap up today's episode. Uh, Remember, you can always make Locked on Heat your first listen. You've been doing a phenomenal job of doing so and continue, please, to do so. Remember that every episode is always free and available wherever you get the show. So make sure you subscribe to get the best coverage available. Make sure to also check out Locked on Bets your daily one-stop shop for all your gambling needs. Stay tuned for part two of our mailbag episode coming up later on this week after we recap the Portland Trailblazers, hopefully a win for Miami. But that'll do it for today. This is David Ramil signing off for now. Thanks so much for joining me, Wes. Wrap it up, B.